Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. I'm Lee Gerstman, and I was banned from this podcast, and I'm not too happy about it. So, fuck these guys. Go to hell. So, here they are. Dr. Fuck and Wadzilla. Enjoy. I know I will, even if they did ban me. Fucking assholes. Hey, I'm Dr. Fuck. Oh, yeah, and I'm the total alcoholic. Ian Wadley. Wow, and I actually saw that in person because uh, you're here in my house and you just cracked the beer in front of me. That's and right. let me tell you, it's not impressive. No? Just like if you were home, bro. No. I don't get the same thrill. Unlike, you know, our listeners who would love to be hanging out with us. Yeah, who we got to hang out with yesterday. Yes, the great Charlie. Yes. And Tim Breen. Yes. And who else? And uh, Charlie's lovely uh, wife, our yes. girlfriend, yes. whoever. Yes. And uh, yeah, we saw Priest yesterday and it was. Fucking, well, you'll hear what we think about it. Yeah, yeah maybe I didn't like it. You never know. You know, spoiler alert. And uh, I, I told Ian when I picked him up, there's no fucking way you're getting near my iTunes. So no iTunes reviews this week. Yeah, I don't think we have any new ones anyway. But uh, we have news to talk about. Yes, we got news. I opened up Blabbermouth here, and we're going to go through the news. So, uh, all right. Um... First thing is uh, Paul Stanley was forced to abandon his zipline stunt in Mexico due to apparent technical mishap. Uh, you know, the, the zipline means when he flies across to that other stage. And tries to sing Love Gun? Yeah, exactly. Um, and as I understand, uh, I heard uh, the reason he didn't do it was because the tape broke. Well, not the line. It's conflicting stories. I heard the stunt double who actually goes out there. Uh, you know, well, actually, I think it's Tommy Thayer puts on Paul's makeup real quick and, you know, earns his paycheck, goes out there, and, uh, you know, Tommy couldn't do it, so. That's not true. I heard it was Tommy's brother, Billy. Oh. Billy Thayer. So, uh, yeah, all right, that's news one number one. <laughs> Let's keep going. All right, Richie Blackmore, Rainbow to release a Storm single this month. I heard, uh, what was that single they released the other day? Black Sheep of the Family. <sighs> that song I hate that song too and I I brought it up on the on our page the Facebook page and I said you know what I hate this fucking song but I like this newer version but you know there's just no way you're gonna convince the masses of a re-recording of 40 years ago that's gonna be better than the original I didn't listen to it just because I don't care about the song or much of what Richie Blackmore does these days but you do know that was the song that was the uh, impetus for Rainbow. Yep. Because he wanted to record that with Deep Purple and like, no, this song sucks. And he's like, all right, fuck you. I'm going to get somebody else and start Rainbow. So yeah, that's what killed Deep Purple. Yeah, so it was basically Elf with uh, Richie Blackmore. Yes. And they recorded the song as a single. And then they did uh, Green Sleeves. Yes, 16th century. Green and that's Sleeves. what prompted them to start a band really yeah. and the rest rest of the album I love it's just always been Black Sheep of the Family I'm I, don't, I didn't like it's the Black Sheep of the album if you don't like rock and roll I didn't like that one either yeah so yeah. there's two songs on there I didn't like but I, I like the re-recording but everybody out there go listen to it so you can disagree with me because a lot of you assholes are too fickle and cannot accept a recording that was 40 years ago to be improved by the same artist and I, I agree that's never happened before but I personally think that it did with uh, Blackmore uh, I liked it. 
I'll but, check it out if I'm bored. You know, that, that other thing he recorded was terrible, whatever it was. What was it? I, I Surrender, maybe? I can't remember. He recorded another classic like a year or two ago, and it was really weak. Alright, well, that's all you gotta say about that, dude? Yeah. Alright, Ozzy is doing much better after injuring himself, you know. Uh, he fell, and Ozzy has a lot of, like, metal pieces inside his body because of the that accident he had on the scooter or whatever. Yeah, the four-wheeler. Yeah, so, uh, he went to go take a piss at night, and he came back to bed, and he slipped on, what was it, a shoe, I think? And... And he dislodged some of the metal pieces in him. Forced him to uh, cancel again. Just stop, Ozzy. Dude, I'm telling you. Look, I mean, he just almost barely survived uh, pneumonia. And uh, then this happens, and it's like, dude, fuck the farewell tour. You're never going to put out another good album. Just fucking, you've done enough for fucking metal. You created heavy metal. Go to fucking Hawaii, retire, and uh, live out your end of days. He's never going to make another album. Forget another good album. He's just never even going to bother. Well, that could be a good thing. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, yeah, of course. You know, it's because, I don't know, man. For me, starting with, uh, I guess, you know, I'm not a fan of Osmosis, but even Osmosis probably had the last real kind of vocal recording of Ozzy, where after that, it became like, I don't even know his voice, voice recordings is like process, like too... I don't know, to me it sounds like bad, bad a lot producers, of auto-tune. Auto you know, they picked the wrong song doctors to write the songs for him and shit. Even 13, Black Sabbath 13 has that same kind of Ozzy vocal performance recording. That I just don't dig, man. But, um, yeah, and, and you know, I'm, I'm not, even if he does the tour, I mean, it was coming down here and I guess it's rescheduled now or it's going to be. Uh, I wasn't planning on going because... Um, well, you know, it's not only, you know, I have a, I don't think I've ever discussed this, even with you, maybe, no. Uh -oh. um, I'm never supporting Zach Wilde again. I don't know if I ever told you this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Is this about that act, that incident you had with his manager? Yeah, with his bodyguard. And it's really nothing to do with Zach, but the, just the pure fact that if I was to pay, and knowing that a penny of my money went to that, his bodyguard's pocket... You know, I, I, I refuse to... So, you know, Zach is with Ozzy. But even if Zach wasn't with Ozzy, I wouldn't go. Because Ozzy, look, man, I love Ozzy. But him performing live is... You know, it's just... I don't know, man. He's kind of, like, stiff the way he walks around, back and forth. And he always grabs the mic off the stand and then puts it back every other second. Kind of... Uh, there's only two ways you could get me to pay to see Ozzy again. You know, and I've said this before. I've never seen anybody in my life more than I've seen Ozzy. Uh, even Kiss, uh, I think I've seen Ozzy more than Kiss. Uh, but only two ways you get me there: one's Iommi, the other one's Lee. You know, if you ain't got those two up there on guitar, I ain't going. I've seen him plenty of time with Zach, and I love Zach, but yeah, don't care. Don't. Care. And well, unless he gets, unless he's singing with the same tape deck that Paul Stanley's using now. No, I don't know. think so. Well, Ozzy never did that. He had somebody in the back singing. Oh, yeah, yeah. What was the guy's name? Uh, isn't that the dude from fucking that's in... White uh, Lion? I mean, uh... No, Warren now. Yeah, Warren. Or what? No, Warren or Great White? No, Warren. Wasn't it the, uh, the guy that sang on the second Robert bucket? Mason? Something yeah, like Robert that? Mason. Yeah, good singer. All right, cool. All right, well, yeah. Uh, I love you, Ozzy, and I hope... You know, seriously, you know, I'm kind of... You know me, dude. I'm, I'm the opposite of Ian. 
where I I don't uh, you know I, I don't give a fuck you know you know I hate bands but not fans but when it comes to this case fuck the fans fuck you guys that never saw Ozzy before yeah, yeah. and you want to see the last time Ozzy fuck you you missed out man I hope Ozzy retires I hope he doesn't tour anymore because I care about him and I want him to spend you know his twilight years drinking lemonade and, and honestly dude I've been pretty good at predictions of people dying or people catching stuff like Parkinson's like you know uh, that I feel something you know Ozzy's at the end dude I feel like he doesn't have much time left and I want him to spend it at home you know somebody's like oh look what happened to him at home he should be on the road I'm sorry but the road is more dangerous than you know at yeah. home I wish you would have told me Chewbacca was gonna fucking die cause I wasn't prepared for that shit yeah that was sad rest in peace Peter Mayhew yeah Alright, uh, ex-Morbid Angel frontman David Vincent says, real fans buy music. Uh, I happen to agree with him. Um, what do you think? Uh, I, I would say yeah. I would say yeah. Yeah. Even as somebody who gets, you know, more than a fair amount of help from Dr. X, the stuff I really love, I go out and get. Uh, especially with, you know, how I fell back in love with vinyl, really encouraged me uh, to get back into to purchasing music. And it is the right thing to do. And, you know, I mean, yes, uh, to me, um, the main reason I buy music is because I love owning the physical copy. It's not because I want the artist to be paid. It just so happens they get paid. And I do want them to be paid. But for me, it's more important just to have a physical copy. So. And with vinyl, not only do you have superior artwork and something bigger to look, it's just fucking cooler and it sounds better. And... You know, some some cool vinyls that you buy brings a CD inside or a card yes, to download. Exactly. I think that every vinyl should have that, you know. And it's a shame because a lot of vinyl, like the latest Fifth Angel, which I fucking love, you know, there's no way of, you know, you're, I'm going to have to go. And there I don't mind going to Mr. X, you know what I mean? Well, you've already paid for I it. I paid for it. I paid right. for the vinyl. I do a radio show. I need MP3s for my radio show. So come on, man. Do I have to buy the CD too? I mean, that's a, a guy that wants to support an artist, you know, 100%. But me, man, I just want to, I just want a fucking a hard copy. And I, I and if I got it on, on vinyl, Ian, you're here. Can I fucking fit another CD in there? No. It's hard, man. All my furniture, like, the CDs are tight, dude. I can't fit CDs in there anymore. So if I was to buy a CD, I have nowhere to put it. Yeah, but, you know, if you got rid of all those Kid Rock CDs, that would fill up some space. Fuck you. I'll oh. never do that. Okay, bye. You know, bow with a bow, the bang, the bang, did you did it, fuck you. All right, Scott Ian on the ne next Anthrax album. Boy, they've never said shit like this before. <laughs> I think this, this is the same article they keep reposting since uh, State of Euphoria came out. Yeah. <laughs> we have some really powerful skeletal arrangements of some new stuff. In other words, our our next album is going to be sounding like, you know, the old school thrash and pissed off. And then you're going to get For All Kings, you know. Which you like you like more than me, and I'm definitely the Anthrax nutswinger. But yep. I was really disappointed by that album. Some songs I've kind of warmed up to, but it's still not what I want. To me, uh, you have a great, you know, chance here to fucking reclaim your, you know, your old status. You got... Belladonna back. Belladonna still sounds fucking amazing. Now all you gotta do is write some fucking classic songs. And a lot of other bands have been doing it lately. You know, a lot of other old school thrash bands have been putting out quality records. Now it's time for Anthrax to do something that's gonna stand the test of time and not just be a new album. So, as always, I hope for the best and, uh, you know. Expect the worst. 
first day downloader right here. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and again, going back to that, it's like, yeah, you know, when it comes to Anthrax, I want to hear it first, you know. But you know, I even bought that shitty Farewell to Kings on uh, a special limited edition pink vinyl that uh, the money went to help people with breast cancer like Peter Chris. Okay. But, uh... Speaking of which, I just paid a couple hundred bucks to meet Peter Chris. Sucker. And all the money's going to uh, uh, breast cancer. Yeah, I believe that shit. Yeah, I I believe it. Peter Chris, bro. Come on. Uh Shut up. Okay, bye. Uh, All right, Uriah Heap's guitarist, Mick Wall, said... Touring with Judas Priest, you've got two bands on the top of their game. Well, I guess we're going to talk about Judas Priest, but I guess we could talk about Uriah Heep and what we Fuck saw yeah. yesterday. Fuck yeah. I'm not a Uriah, Uriah Heep fan. I'm not. I bought Magician's Birthday, which everybody says is the, the album to get. I bought it used, like, I don't know, three, four years ago. I've always known about Abomagog, and that's it. So maybe, you know, some people out there will be like, oh, well, you got to check out this album, and I will. But um, I was so impressed last night. Ooh, fuck yeah. They were so fucking good. And I didn't really, I only knew Easy Living. That's the only right. song I knew last night. And they were just phenomenal. The band was great. I know Mick Wall's the only guy left. Uh, Mick Box. Mick Box. And, um, you know, the they had an instrumental part where they were all jamming. Oh, man. Man, this guy went off on the truck for what, like, four or five minutes while the band's behind him jamming and he was just so good the whole band that singer was awesome yeah real um, good the whole band the keyboard player the drummer the bass player who looked like uh scott travis yeah <laughs> double duty it was like hey is that scott travis on, on bass and uh they were just fucking phenomenal yeah i was blown away and we kind of uh Thanks to being there with a, a bona fide celebrity like Dr. Fuck, man. I was meeting all kinds of people. Got to meet uh, uh, the Beast. Mm-hmm. The Beast. Mark's Dave, Dave, Dave the Beast. Bits. Um, yeah, I, it was a buddy of mine. Uh, you know, it's wild that on my phone I have a former member of Black Sabbath. A guy that was in Black Sabbath is on my phone. And we ran into him last night. Well, we ran into a lot of people, not only listeners of the show, but, you know, a bunch of people you, you know yeah. that you've talked about. I got to meet Yai. Yai, uh, the, the legendary Yai, the guy oh, that... Oh, uh, What a nice guy. Yeah, you know, I've talked like the Thin Lizzy episode, how I almost, we almost saw Thin Lizzy, but Yai pissed off his dad, and he's the guy I discovered music with uh, in my youth. We were inseparable, and he doesn't go to many shows, so it was a pleasant surprise to see him last night. And yeah, and then we start. I started telling him about our podcast, and you know, with Ian there, and telling him all the stories I said about me and him yeah. at shows and uh, the cheap trick, you know. Yeah, that the, was a great. Story. Yeah, yeah. That the, we almost record uh, the way we discovered cheap trick. Uh, go listen to the In Color episode because it's a long story and it's bizarre. It's a great story. How though. I got into yeah, it's like the most bizarre story of getting into a band. But uh, you know, because of all this going on, and I knew Ralph wasn't. Uh, you know, a, a huge fan of Uriah Heep, and I'm kind of a casual fan. They came on, we didn't go in right away. We missed the first song and went in during the second song. Well, I didn't know they were on. Well, yeah, we did. I didn't know. Oh, I did, and I was drunk already. But, uh, uh, man, it was, it was so good. I'm so glad we went in when we did. And if you're going to see this tour, I highly recommend don't don't fuck around. Get in there and watch it because they only play seven songs. Well, look, Ian Ian likes your eye heat, so don't take his word for it. Take mine. 
that I'm not into Rurahi. And I was fucking blown away by it. So if you're like me out there, because, you know, you already know, people like you, they're going to want to see Rahit. They like them, you know? I'm saying everybody out there that's on the fence with them, that you don't know anything but Easy Living, the song that they ripped off from Wasp, um, you, yeah. you uh, go in, dude. Go in and see them, because they were fucking badass. They were just, they were on. And I saw Uriah Heep one time before opening for Jesus Priest on the Screaming for Vengeance tour. On, what's really wild about that story is I saw it at Sunrise Musical Theater, the same place I saw Ozzy with Randy, where on drums was Aldridge and Sarzo. And then when I saw Uriah Heep on drums was Curse Lake and, and Daisy. Yeah. So I saw all four original members of Blizzard of Oz on the same stage, just separate uh, separate bands and separate years. But, uh, yeah, but, yeah, man, definitely go in early for Uriah Heap because it was fucking uh, unbelievable. All right, Rat is announcing a, a spring-summer 2019 North American tour. As I see, they're coming nowhere near me or you. So. Well, kind of near me, but I'm, I'm not going. This, this ain't fucking Rat. I'm sorry. I'm the biggest Rat nut swinger, but... No Demartini, no Tiki. Yeah, I, I would I would see this lineup if it was like in Miami. Right. You no, know? I'd go see if they were in fucking you know New Orleans. I'd go, but I'm not traveling for this. Yeah, show. I wouldn't travel for this either. And I did uh, hear a recent interview with Stephen Peterson saying that they're gonna like really dive into the deep tracks for the next round of tour dates, but uh, which I think is a mistake. Why? Um, because. The only people that are going to be going to this <laughs> are going to be the casual fans. And I, I think, you know, if they don't play the hits with well, this... Well, they don't have any hits. If, as long as they play round and round, lay it down, back for more, what else? You know? They, they do those three songs, the casual would be happy. I mean, other people... Casuals won't know want to do yeah, but they'll, they'll want to hear, like, fucking Waco Jr. and Lovin' Use a Dirty Job. And no, that, that, those will be in the list, I'm right. sure. Maybe not Waco Jr., but Lovin' Use a Dirty Job will definitely be in the list. But, um, yeah, I really don't care either, but, uh, you know, I mean, every band, dude, you think about it, man. There's no bands like Rush anymore, except for ZZ Top. That's the only band I can think of. And Rush, I mean, technically, you know, I mean, look. I have to give the pass to Rush because of Neil Peart, like, uh, or Peart, whatever. Uh, John Rusty playing on first album, but I don't know, dude. For me, it's kind of like, they're the exception. I still consider that the original lineup. I don't know why. I guess because they've been around so fucking long. And Rush really became Rush on Fairwater Kings because, I mean, uh, Fly By Night because... The first Rush album is very zeppelin -y. Even was, though I prefer the first Rush album to Fly By Night. I do too. Uh, I, I, I prefer it over Christmas Steel as well. And that's, too. that's as far as I go, though. Uh, I mean, I prefer it more than a lot of future albums, too, but no, not. I can't put it above 2112, no, Farewell, no, Hemispheres, no. Moving Pictures and Signals. Though, well, maybe Signals, but from Moving Pictures to, to um, uh, 2112, I, I, that to me is you know, the best rush. But then the first one. But I don't know, man. I, I kind of like, I don't know. It's kind of, because it's so different, you know? Rush is a prog band. 
where the first album's not prog at all. It's a kind of Led Zeppelin, Va- Greta Van Fleet oh, but vibe. It's so good, in the oh, mood, so working so man. Uh, no, of course, man. Finding my way. Uh, I, I love that album, you know. It's, uh, but I don't know, man. I guess I have to give, you know. But you know, ZZ Top. You know, that one is like from the very beginning. Aerosmith. You know, these are bands that all original members. You know. Uh, but that's who else? Can you think of any other band? I can't think of any other fuck. Oh, Kiss. Yeah. They still got Ace and Peter. So all right, th- those are the bands. That's it. You know. So, uh, and uh, but you know that, that's the reality of today, man. Every band you go see, you're not gonna have all original members, and it's sad. You know. And what's even sad is most of these bands out there, the reason they don't have original members has nothing to do with death. They're all still alive. Martini, you know, Warren D. Martini, and uh, who else was in the band? Uh, Blotzer and, uh, oh. Crosby yeah, Crosby is dead. All right, Rat's an exception. You know, Motley Crue, you know, they ended with all four members. Do you think that Motley Crue's going to get back together? Uh, I don't know whether to file that under don't know or don't care. Uh, I have a feeling they're not. I don't know why. But I, I don't know. There has been this huge spike in the record sales since The Dirt came out, which we still need to review. Uh, so, who knows? Money money fucking talks. I think a lot of it has to do with fucking uh, with Mick. But I gotta tell you, from those new songs that I heard, that I don't even know if Mick's even playing on that shit. I mean, dude, I, I swear, I, I, I those songs are so bad that I would say that uh, that horrible, terrible, cringeworthy cover of uh, "Like a Virgin" is not even the worst one out of all of them. I think I think it was called "Crash and Burn" or something. I don't know. They were, they Man, were so oh my god, that song was so horrific. I was like, wow, this is even fucking worse than that my terrible Madonna cover. Which I actually have nothing nice to say except for "Crash and Burn" was worse. You know, but. Uh, well, yeah, you know, you know, fuck the rap thing if it doesn't come my way, you know. But I did see footage, and I gotta say that lead guitar player is really good. Well, both of them are good. Yeah. You know, they're both guys, but the guy that does the, the bulk of the solos, dude, that motherfucker cooks. He's fucking awesome. Yeah, but I'm just so, you know, I've always said in my top three guitar players from the 80s, you know, D. Martini's there, so to me, it's important to see him, you know. And that guy's just a fucking hero to me. Uh, back to Paul Stanley. He said, I believe in peeling away all the secrets that I have. So he's going to come out of the closet? <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, the thing is that the guy is so full of shit in interviews. It's like he's saying one thing and you know he's lying. So it's like, I feel like the fans peel away his, his secrets better than he ever can. Did you see his uh, interview with Dan Rather? I'd rather not discuss it. Well, I haven't seen it. Well, I I need it for uh, yeah. you know research for my uh, you know that channel that's the most popular Kiss uh, YouTube channel. On the planet. Yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, uh, he always says stupid shit like that. Um, Metallica kicked off. Uh, I saw this. This is pretty cool. Um, uh, um, a tour of Europe. And man, they threw out some gems, man. Uh, and these are songs I haven't played in a long time, like Disposable Heroes. Nice. Uh, the God That Failed nice. is my favorite song off of uh, Black Album. Though this article doesn't have it, but I saw an article where it showed 
the last time they played these songs. And God That Failed uh, was the last time they played it was uh, that tour I saw, which the live shit and binge was, it was on that set list. God, what a horrible fucking encore. Oh, yeah, Lords of Summer. That Lords of Summer song was terrible. Yeah, terrible. Nothing else matters. Please, can we get a Metallica show without that fucking song? I mean, yeah, Inner yeah, Sandman, yeah. I almost get you gotta fucking play, but... Well, now that I look at the rest of the... You're, you're right. They started off very strong. It was Hardwired, Disposable Heroes, Ride the Lightning, God to Fail, and then it just went downhill yeah. from there. I think I saw a different set list that had more cool songs. Uh, yeah, Freda and the Sanity was on that ooh, other set list I ooh, saw. That'd be nice. So yeah, they threw out some some rare jams, you know. But uh, yeah, they're 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 winning back my love and respect a little bit at a time. Well, yeah, I mean you you you've been loving them a little fucking more recent than me though, because you liked uh, you know, Death Pathetic. You know? Yeah, yes I did. I hate that fucking album, and I tried giving it a chance again. Yeah. After you know getting so much into Hardwired, I man, let me go give it another chance. All right, Molly Crew Tommy Lee is enjoying the golden years of his life. It's been pretty fucking rad. Um, yeah, but he's about to ruin it because I heard uh, he's about to release another Methods of Mayhem album. Oh. Yep. It's done and ready to come out. Oh. Wow. In this day and age, who the fuck wants to hear that? Wow. Yeah. That's all you got mm. to say is wow. Yeah, that's... Mm. Get naked. Ooh. Ouch. All right, Aerosmith, boy. Uh, what the fuck's going on there? Man, I put this footage up on uh, on uh, the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. They did, uh, what was the song they were doing? Uh, oh, Living on the Edge? Yeah, it was uh, Living on the Edge. Oh, my God, what the fuck? It was like uh, Paul, uh, listen to me, uh, Joe Perry was just so amazingly, I, I, I even put it up saying, this may be the worst performance I've ever seen in my life. Now, I'm not counting local bands do, butchering Pink Floyd songs, you know? I'm talking about like an actual main band, you know what I mean? And, you know, of course, Van Hagar don't count. Cause and then playing their own song. Yeah, <laughs> it's just so bad. I mean, it was it was sad, dude. It was like, what the fuck? And even the, the counting. Where, you know, Steven Tyler's like, one, two, three, four. And it's like, nothing's happening. It's like, what the fuck is that about? Man, it was just terrible. And on top of that, because they're doing a Vegas re- residency. Uh, they put, they performed without Joey Kramer. Yes. At a show. And initially they said that Joey had it out with Steven Tyler. Well, say I heard that and then I heard it was an injury. Then... I think the injury thing was damage control. damage control. Because I think the truth came out first. They scrapped it. And they said that. But they're doing a Vegas residency. And look, they're doing moving out. They did seasons of Wither. I didn't really like pay attention. Let's see if this has a set list. Well, I think this is a prime example of a band that's just trying to make some money but really just can't fucking stand each other anymore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that's... You know. And I remember uh, an article with... Uh, or an interview, I should say, with Brad Whitford after that last horrible studio album they put out. I forget the fucking name of it. But anyway, it was fucking terrible. And it was all fucking song doctors and shit like that that they've been doing for years. And, and Brad was like, why can't we just get in the studio and write songs together like we fucking used to? He said, but nobody else in the band wanted to do it. So I don't know if that's too lazy, like they don't want to write, just have somebody else write it and then they go in there and do it. But 
I mean, that's what kills their fucking sound, man. You know, when you get that classic combination of, you know, Tyler and Perry together, you know, throwing a few fucking Brad Whitford songs, you got magic. But, I don't know. That, that's a band I, I, I give a fuck less about anymore. I'll just listen to the old shit. All right. Uh, Metallica's James Hetfield uh, is on this new movie you can see on Netflix, which aired the day you came. Uh-huh. Uh, Ian went to bed. Uh, and I went in my room and I put on Netflix and I noticed this movie was out. I was like, oh, this is the movie with James Hetfield. And he appears very early in the movie. He plays a cop that pulls over Ted Bundy. Uh, and, uh, dude, I was very, very impressed by his acting. Does he say, you're under arrest? Oh. No, he said, pull over. Yeah! Yeah! You know? Uh, but, uh, yeah, I was very impressed. I haven't, and then, uh, you know, I fell asleep during it. So last night, I went and watched again, you know, more of it. And then there was a scene where they played Four Horsemen, uh, Metallica. You know, they have it as the background. And then I fell asleep again. I haven't finished watching it, but, you know, I, I, and not to spoil the movie for anybody. If you want to see it, see it. But I was, I'm so far in the movie. I mean, they, they, you know, if you know the story of Ted Bundy, he, he escaped twice. Yes. I already seen the part where he escaped the second time. Well, so far, this whole movie, there's no footage of him killing anybody. But there's footage of, you know, news reports. Oh, so Ori girls found dead, and this found dead, and this and that. You know, they talk about the murders, but they don't actually show murdering anybody. Though, I haven't finished the movie yet. Maybe there's going to be flashback scenes or shit. But it's pretty much the story of him in jail with the chick that he actually loved and didn't kill. And what they were going back and forth, and, right. she, and she believes him, and you know, and uh, and I'm not really impressed with the movie. I kind of find it kind of lame so far. I haven't finished watching it, but all I can say, you know, is that I thought James Hetfield played uh, a, the the cop that pulled him over pretty good. He's he shows up like in three different scenes, because then there's the lineup scene. You know, he, he he first they pull him over. That's the first time you see him, and there's a couple little scenes with James and. I was surprised. I, I, I didn't think James was a... And James, uh, I never knew he wanted to act. You know, I thought it was only fucking Lars, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll check it out. I mean, from what I hear about it, it's like with all these biographies lately and, you know, shit based on true events, uh, what always pisses me off is get the fucking details right. Get the timing right because uh, I could be wrong. I haven't seen it. You saw it, but isn't there a part in this where Ted Bundy kills Freddie Mercury? You know? uh, yes, yes. You know, so it's but like... But that did happen, Get your it? shit right, yeah. But, you know, they're playing Queen with Adam Lambert in the background, so the uh, time frame's off. Oh, yeah, up, you know? that's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. what are you going to do? Yeah, what okay. you do? I'll check it out, though. Yeah, I, got, I, got, I just got to say that I'm very impressed by uh, James Hetfield's acting. Well, I, I knew he was a good actor in, in uh, you know, the fucking 90s when he acted like he was in a metal band. <laughs> yeah, I knew he had it in him. I didn't think that was good acting at all, dude. I thought that shit was like, that shit was Pauly Shore material, bro. That was not good acting at all. All right, uh, Deep Purple's former accountant sentenced to prison for stealing nearly three million bucks. Uh, that's fucked up. But isn't that how it always? Isn't every accountant in every band ripped them off? But this guy didn't get away with it. 
But you, you know, I, I think it hurts even more though when you see bands like that that are in their fucking, you know, they've been getting ripped off their entire career. And and let's face it, you know, they're not playing fucking arenas anymore. They're playing fucking casinos and probably need everything that they earn. Obviously, because they're still doing it, you know, when most people would like to be retired. So I, I hate seeing you know, any musician ripped off like that because so many, it's always the wrong people make the money for the hard work that the musicians do. But uh, that, that's been the story since, you know, it started. That's why it's the music business, not the music pleasure. I hear that. Well, Ian, you want to get into the review? Because I'm not seeing anything else. Uh... Uh, in the news things that I'm looking through. Yeah, let's get into it, because we got a fucking great show to talk about. And we got uh, a party to go to tonight. Yeah, we got a party to go to tonight. And I would like to go, uh, you know, song for song through the fucking uh, the show we saw. Yeah, uh, and I'm going to pull up the set list now, because you know we ain't going to remember it in order. Yeah, there we go. Just to do it. Uh... All right, um... The first track they played uh, last night was Necromancer, and honestly, I didn't think it was a good opener. Mm-mm. I was, uh, I was like, whoa, you know. I, at first, I didn't even know what they were playing. Well, it it took about halfway through Necromancer to get the sound right, because I was like, whoa, this sounds kind of fucking rough, especially because you're right, Heap sounded so pristine and so right. perfect. But uh, man, you could tell the sound guy had to fucking find his feet. But it was it was corrected by the end of the song. I thought it was neat the way uh, Rob Hopper came out with like you know the little like voodoo hat and the voodoo skull. Uh, but I really thought when they talked about doing out in the cold that would be an opener because it was such a strong opener on the Fuel for Life tour, the Turbo tour, uh, and Necromancer. Not only uh, to me, I always I've always found it a great song, but a filler off an amazing album. Right, you know? but also. When you start out the show, it should either be something that just has that epic feel that gets everybody in the mood, or it should be a song that everybody knows that gets them into, you know, the mood. And I think I think that one you will probably see change as the tour goes on. But this is the first show. So many tours, they start out doing songs, and some that don't do well drop off, and they mix shit around. I mean, it wasn't horrible. Uh, it was, ex- look, while, you're in, while we were in the moment, it was great. Right. Because it's Priest. Right. You know, it's Judas Priest. We had excellent seats. Yes, 14th row, right in the center. I, and, was, I was right on the aisle. It was fucking And great. boy, I mean, it may sound like we were on 14th row, but it really looked like we were like maybe in the seventh row. Because yeah. it was kind of close to the stage, even being 14th row. But, you know, just the excitement of seeing Priest come out and, you know. Oh, yeah. You know, seeing Halford there and, you know, it was just. And, and the vibe in this place was yeah. great. Packed. Yeah, it was packed. It was. I was a little bit worried during Uriah Heap. I was like, oh man. I was like, man. And it's a good for a hard rock. That's like three times huger than any hard rock I've been to. But I was a little worried. But by the time Priest came on, that place filled the fuck up. And oh, the vibe and the fucking yeah, the people were uh, into it. It was always. It was almost like, hey, am I in South Florida? Oh, everybody was getting drunk. There was so much fucking pussy there. Oh my god, the milk pussy that showed up for the show. Woo. You'd think he was at a cock rock show and the women were going crazy for Judas Priest. It oh, was yeah. Awesome. Oh, yeah. my God. Unbelievable. And then they go into the Sentinel. Woo. Now, when they went into the Sentinel, I was thinking, you know what, man? They should have opened with this because it's very unpredictable. It's not like an opening song, but the way it builds up, 
And yeah, that then you saw like you know the hardcores were like, yeah, you know, oh, yeah. you know this one. A lot of people, including me, so he got into you know Necro Man. So I was like, oh, that's what this song is, right? You know, but uh, Sentinel, boy, that's when you knew. All right, you're at a pre-show. All right, now now you're talking. Now we're getting. Now we're gonna throw this down. And yeah, dude, it was amazing. You know, and look, what's what's Hoffer like? Seventy something, you know, uh, late sixties. And one thing I noticed throughout the show is uh, he saved his voice. He didn't really, hit, you know, Sword to Avenge, Condemned to Hell, he would do that. But, you know, most of these songs where there's a lot of screaming throughout the song, he would save it for the end. Right. And I don't know, for me it was really cool because it's a good buildup. You know, when he does hit the note at the very end, it's like, there he goes, you know right. what I mean? Well, yeah, and, and I definitely think it worked to his advantage. It's smart because of his age. And none of the songs suffered because of how he's saying you know, I mean, everything still sounded great, but yeah, you're right. But when he played those songs that have particular parts that need that little extra, he did save that energy for that. But Sentinel, oh my and, God. Yeah, and, and you know, the guitar work, you know. Oh yeah. And, and, and yeah, people people complaining about Andy Sneap, don't say shit till you see him live because the way him and Faulkner go back, and I mean, I mean Faulkner, when, when you watch him now, it seems like he's been in the band 20 fucking years. Everything seems natural. He plays great. He's been an amazing asset to Judas Priest. Amazing, amazing stage presence. Oh, yeah. He oh, has yeah. such amazing stage presence. And he smokes. Yeah, and it feels natural. Nothing seems like too showy or he's trying to fill in this or that. He just, he's got natural fucking presence and, and very talented. And let me tell you something, just, uh, uh, just to let you know, when I saw them in Jacksonville, uh, like what, six, five, six months ago? Uh, he seemed a little annoyed with the crowd. Yeah. Yeah, because they weren't really getting into it. He would even make faces like, "Come on," you know. Where last night he was like, "Wow, this crowd is." Oh, on. you could tell he was happy. Yeah, he was like, "These guys are on," because the place was on. And you know, as you'll hear as we go on, um, dude, they, it, it's nothing but deep tracks. Until the very end, it was pretty much all deep tracks. I didn't see nobody go out to the bathroom or go get beer. I didn't mm. see nobody leave. Everybody stayed there, and you know all these people don't really know these songs, but it was just so kick-ass they stayed. So then they go into heading out to the highway, but before they go into it, the the spotlight guy, (laughs) he had a little problem finding Finding Rob Hoffer, (laughs) where they actually had to turn the the house lights on for him to find him, and then uh, he's like, yeah, finally you you figured out something. Uh, One thing that I've never seen Judas Priest ever do, even with Ripper, was uh, every time the, f- the first time Rob talks or Ripper talks, he says, it's a Friday night and the priests are back. He didn't do that last night. He said the priests are back. Right. But I think that had to do with the spotlight. I think he was annoyed by that. But uh, yeah, you know, he's... Uh... And, and one thing about priests, they love South Florida. They recorded Screaming for Vengeance and uh, Defenders, some of Defenders down here right. at Criteria Studios. But they, um, they filmed the uh, 30th anniversary. Of well, British the Steel. 30th anniversary of British Steel was filmed at the same venue we were in last night. Right. But last night was more packed. Yeah, you were it, telling me that. Yeah, it was more packed. Were, I mean, it was not packed. Like the upper tier sections, they were very spotty during that show. As I recall, though, I think that was a Tuesday show or a weekday show. So that may have had something to do with it. But I think Priest. Since then, because that was 2009, I believe, or 2010, or 2009, whatever it was, 
Um, I think they did the tour in 2009, even though the actual anniversary would have been 2010. Yeah, and I think it was still bubbling. Because now I think uh, Priest is, uh, I mean, shit, I, I think it's a crime. These guys aren't as big as Maiden, you know? Right. Uh, you know, because Maiden's coming. They're starting their tour down here. And, you know, something we forgot to mention, this is the start of the last leg of the Firepower Tour was down here. Maiden's starting it down here as well. But Priest doesn't pull that, like, prissy shit that fucking Maiden does. Maiden's like, well, America doesn't buy our records anymore, so we're only playing five shows. You know? And, and, and it's more of, like, people like, oh, fuck, I guess I gotta travel. Where, I mean, Priest just toured last year with Deep Purple. And I think that's another great reason the set list. They mixed up, like, here's another reason. Like, yeah, you saw us last year, but here's another reason to come out because you're not getting the same show. This isn't Kiss, where we've done the same show for 20 fucking years. We're going to mix it up, and the true fans are going to love it. And it's going to get even deeper as we go on. Yeah, and well, and they go into heading out to the highway. Yeah. And there, Hoffer delivered. Because mm. he doesn't really hit high notes in that song, if you really think about it. Uh, before I fall, he does it just yeah. like the record. And that really pumped up the crowd because, again, us, you know, it may not be the deepest track because it was a mainstay on early MTV. You'd always see that video. But it hasn't been on the set list, you know. I think since 2012. Yeah, where, and the same thing with Sentinel. I think Sentinel even goes earlier. No, nah, I think they were both 2012. Okay, Necromancer time. never played before. Right. Never played before. But, yeah, good to hear heading out to the highway. Is and awesome. that got the crowd going. That the crowd really got really the crowd yeah. Loved it. Then the next tune was the first time they played, uh, Spectre. My favorite song on Firepower. Yeah, probably my third favorite. Oh. Uh, where they played my favorite and second favorite. So I, my top three songs off Firepower were played last night. I, you know, the, I don't like the title track, and they didn't play it last night, which, you know, I'm sure many people love that title track. And Firepower. I like it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just love that album. I mean, I don't think it sucks, but I just feel like the rest of that album I like more. Yeah. But um, yeah, with the great visuals going on oh, behind, yeah, the video had, behind it, that video, great. they had a good screen with a lot of cool visuals during uh, songs, and uh, God damn, like a thief in the night, damn. and yeah, dude, I was even thinking while they were playing, I was like, dude, was this played yet? You know, because it was one of the first singles, I think, maybe the second one. And yes, to everybody out there wondering, yes, I was singing Keep Your Eye on the Sparrow and the theme from Beretta in the back of my head while I was playing. <laughs> and loving every minute of it. God damn, it was awesome. Unbelievable. That was like... And then, again, you know, you know most the casuals don't know that fucking song. But they, they were had a great reception to that. Yeah. Just, were, it sounded so fucking good and it sounded like Priest. It sounded great. Uh, Rob was singing it great. It was just bad fucking ass. Now... The next tune was the one I was saying because they were hinting on songs they were rehearsing for the tour that they haven't played in a long time. Uh, this ne and then they mentioned this one song that they've never played. Oh, yeah. And I said, dude, yes, out in the cold, you know, all this shit I would love to see. But the song that I saw mentioned that I wanted to see the most was Take These Chains because as far as I know, never been played live. I saw the screaming tour. They didn't play it. Unless they did it early in the tour, but you know, on a report earlier, yeah, and it said it's never been played. I said it said it's never been played, and my God, did that sound good! Mm. It sounded so good. 
the band, it really sounded like the record a lot. I was just gonna say that, you know, and, and there's a lot of different like nuances on that song. But yeah, Sneep and fucking uh, Faulkner just nailed it, man. And fucking Travis, I, I mean, he's still my favorite priest. I, I, you know, I love Les Banks, I love everybody else, but man, Scott Travis can just do anything. He can play any era and make it sound fucking perfect. And he definitely did it again last night. I mean, he plays the, those Painkiller songs. Awesome, knowing that Painkiller is an album that's all drum machine. Huh? You didn't know that? Huh? Uh, according to a very famous Swedish guitar player, he said Painkiller is a drum machine in the album. Yeah, I know, I agree. I think he was thinking to ram it down. I was, just, turbo. I was just making a funny that I was agreeing with this guy. But I was so happy they played that, not only because... I knew that's the one you really wanted. I mean, I wanted to hear it too. Out in the cold, you know, that's the one I was like, oh, fuck, I can't wait to hear that. Uh, and in all the interviews they were doing, there were certain songs that they mentioned over and over, but only one interview did they mention Take These Chains, and I knew how much it meant to you. And you and me, like, you know you know that song the minute it starts. We just both looked at each other like, holy shit. And there was a lot of moments during that night where we looked at each other like, holy shit. Well, here's the thing, too. Um... In all those interviews where they mentioned these songs that were going to be played, I really didn't think we were going to see a show where all those songs they mentioned were going to be played. Yeah. They played every fucking song they mentioned, that, as far as I know. Right. Except for one. And we'll get to that one because somebody put up a fake set list that was identical to this but except for one song. Really? Yes, okay. and I'll mention to that I'll mention that when we get there. I was there. too hungover to catch that on Facebook. Yeah, I, I, well, I, I did that in my bedroom while you were asleep. I, was, I saw some article on my phone. But yeah, take these chains off for me, the song I wanted to hear the most and I, you know, it's it's really I don't know, I'll ask you this question. For me, it's very difficult to say what the highlight of the show was. It was just many highlights. Yeah, and, and I think what happened is every time you think you just saw the highlight, something else would come up and like, oh my God. And even uh, some of the songs that uh, you know weren't necessarily my favorites or one I would have picked, not one of them sounded bad. So it's like, even if it, you know, like, it wasn't one you were hoping for, you were never disappointed. You uh, know, with the exception, I'm looking at the track listing now. With the exception of track 14, uh, every song up to 14, and then <laughs> track 15 was a, a, a rare one. Yeah. But every track, I mean, you're going from fucking 12 songs where every single song was like, holy shit. And I was even thinking, I was like, dude, this is the, I've never seen a show with so many deep tracks. Yeah. Because there was no breaking the law, you know, like no hit mixed in the bulk of the thing until the end of the set. Right, and even when, you know, when we get to track 14, I really didn't think I was gonna hear it. I didn't care, but right before it started, I looked at Ralph, I was like, I hope they play, and then two seconds later, <laughs> Ralph just looked at me, smiled, and I fucking and that, lost my and, fucking and, mind. And that was the one part of the show Ooh. I was like, all right, here's a song that I've seen them play many times. Where up to that point, every song I've never seen them play, or I haven't seen them play, in 30 years, right. 30 plus years, you know? So, uh, all right, so that was Take These Chains. Next, which I was so happy they did this. I wasn't expecting this. I don't remember reading they were gonna do this. Right. But they represented what I consider probably their most underrated album, Angel Retribution, they played Judas's Rising, which I was like, oh. I mean, look, I could do with that. I love the song, don't get me wrong. 
But just the fact that they represented it. Right. I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. You know, because you see the fucking image of the album cover right. pop up on the screen. What a great album cover. Yeah, I love that album cover. And, uh, and just, I mean, it's a great song. It's yeah. an awesome song. And, and I agree with you. I love that fucking album. And I think it's cool that, you know, you know, so many bands that you have come out now, uh, they put out an album which is more or less an excuse to tour. And they don't really believe in the album. They don't push it behind that tour and you never hear shit again. Yeah. I thought it was great that they went back and it challenges the audience too. Let's see what, if, and that wasn't even the single off that album. Nope. You know, so it's like, okay, let's see if you're really a fucking fan. And I love that shit when we're stuck in an era of bands like fucking Kiss where you know what it is and the setlist hasn't changed in years and Death Leopard and all that shit, they just do the hits. Here's a band going, fuck you, we're, we're gonna play this and if you're a true Priest fan, you're gonna get it and it sounded amazing. Now, is there 20 other Judas Priest songs I would have picked over that? Yes. Did it bother me that they played it? Fuck no, because it sounded fucking great. Represented shit that people forgot, and it was perfect. Especially for this set list that had so many fucking... You know, I don't think they've ever had a set list for any tour that is as deep as this. You know? No, I don't think any band has. To tell you the truth. Unless they went out, like, uh, under a fake name. You know, some bands do that. Right. They go play a, uh, a show at a club under a fake name. That's when you'll get the obscure stuff. Or Cheap Trick. Yeah. Cheap Trick has like four or five standards. Right. But they mix it up. Even when you see Cheap Trick open for Def Leppard, they'll throw out on top of the world. Well, there's certain artists like Cheap Trick and, uh, you know, I mean. But Cheap Trick never went like this route. That's right. insane. Last right. night was insane. But those are the artists that I, I respect the most that, like, it changes every night because it keeps them fresh and it shows you how much they're passionate about what they do. And I mean, even different genres like, you know, uh, Bruce Springsteen, different artists like that, they don't have a set list for the tour. Pearl Jam. You know, yeah, another one, not a big fan of, but I respect that they do that, you know. Right. Uh, Neil Young, another one that changes up night to night. Jethro Toll. When I saw Jethro Toll, they played like maybe three popular songs, a bunch of shit I never heard and fucking loved it. But that's a band that's challenging their audience and challenging themselves. Because think about it. They got to relearn this shit, you know? It, you know, cer- certain songs are muscle memory, you know? But a lot of this shit ain't, you know? And, oh, God. And it was just amazing. And I, and I was, dude, it was just the fact that it was Angel Retribution being represented made me happy. Right. I was like, oh, you know, and I love Judas's writing. Don't get me wrong. It's you know, I like uh, you know, Hell Rider and Deal with the Devil and Angel, and and we're fighting for Revolution. I, like, I love that. Yeah, one yeah, too. I like. Well, I like. I'll take Judas's writing over Revolution, though. I love Revolution. Um, but I was happy. I was like, fuck it, man. Cool. Judas's writing, killer fucking double bass metal tune. I'll take it. Then, Ian's Wet Dream comes next. And let me tell you, if you know the history of me and Turbo, I always praise this song. I slammed the album, but I always said this was the best song off the album. Yep, you saw the screen showed the album cover of Turbo. Mm -hmm. And then you saw, you heard that intro. Awesome. They played it so good. And, you know, the whole fucking, you know, the movement. Just, they were tight. And fucking. Even Halford did that. Oh, no. Oh, no. Like in the middle of the... Yeah, and he did the little sway while he was singing it like he did, you know, in uh, the Priest Live video. And that's... I mean, I mean, this is what takes me back to when 
I discovered you just because my age. My first album was Turbo. The first video I saw them was the Priest Live video in Dallas. And I always remembered how cool it was that the song started and the whole band's out there. And then, you know, you hear Rob, but you don't see him. And then you see him walking from the back of the stage and he comes out and the song kicks in. And it just always had that atmosphere. And it's also a song, much like Ralph, even people who hate the fucking album, like, oh yeah, that's a good song. Everybody I know always says that. Yeah. Oh, I hate Turbo, but out in the cold school. Everybody uh, says that. And, you know? and just the way it comes across live is perfect. I mean... Oh, yeah, I was, yeah. And, 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 you know, I mean, as much as you were wishing it would start the set, I thought it fucking blended well with the set. Yeah, it did. It did. You know? I, I still think it would have been a better opener than Necromancer. Yeah, I, I think I think you could switch those two songs in the set list and, and still have a great vibe, but there's nothing I'm going to complain about about this show. It was whatever they want to do, they can do it. I'm a Priest fan, you know, till end of days, man, and... This show was all about the fans, not the casuals. No, and 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 just so happens the casuals hanged. Yeah, they were like fuck it, you know, and which was awesome. And like, and you you hit the nail on the head because a lot of times when you see the newer songs or the lesser known songs, you see that run for the beer line or that run for battle. Now I did see some people would sit down, but nobody left. Oh, I didn't even see that. Yeah, I saw a couple people sit down, like. Like, oh, that, that old chick that was dancing right across from me that I couldn't take my eyes oh, really? off her ass. She sat down? She sat down, during, well, not during Out the Cold, but during some of the, like, you know, the, the Firepower stuff and right. the, uh, another album that's newer we're going to get to. Uh, she sat down, and then she got up again for the classics and danced like there was a fucking imaginary <laughs> pole there. <laughs> yeah, she was. She, oh. had, she had a hot body, that girl. Oh, God, the women there last night. Big old titties. Oh. God, I love South Florida. Yeah, that's why I live here, bro. Mm. I get it now. Hell yeah, out in the cold, uh, you know. And then we go into what was initially my favorite song off uh, Firepower, but it's been replaced with a song that comes later in the set list. But still, it's still a very close second, Traitor's Gate. Oh, man. And then, you know, we can see the fucking raven. They had a... Oh, the video was yeah, fucking video, awesome. Yeah. You see a raven and all this, like, uh... You know, um, castles and oh, you know yeah. medieval shit going on, and I absolutely, dude. Anybody out there doesn't know Traitor's Gate, you need to go listen to that song. And it was so heavy live too. Oh, God man, damn. And the riff, that riff, that. Oh my God! And it was the first time played ever. You know, ever, uh, ever. And it was <laughs> so fucking amazing how they fucking delivered it. Um, God, what did you think? I, I just thought it was... Oh, yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah. And uh, it worked so well live. And it, they just like... And it was so much amped up from, you know, because it's a much heavier song than Out in the Cold. Uh, but Out in the Cold has that atmosphere. But Traitor's Gate is just pure fucking metal, man. It just like... It kicked it up a fucking notch. And uh, it sounded great. The, the video... Com- everything worked on Traitor's Gate. And hopefully that, you know, I mean, because it was an older crowd, definitely an older crowd. People, you can tell people who don't come out a lot, but I think it was a perfect mix of being Judas Priest, a Friday night. And, uh, you know, I hope that turns some people on that if you don't know Firepower, go check that shit out. Because that's a modern classic to me. Loved it. Uh, uh, One of the many highlights of Mm -hmm. this song. And then 
They even fucking now the next track really shocked me. Oh, you and me looked at each other like, whoa, oh, fuck, man, because they did not talk about rehearsing yeah. this one. Oh, another track I've never seen them play live. Let, let me just, I mean, Ian, you're not the veteran I am. Right. Uh, up to this point, I've seen them play the Sentinel, heading out to the highway, Judas is rising, and out in the cold. All right, that's it, you know, and that's all, you know, we're up to track nine. And still deep cuts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And songs I haven't seen in a long time. Um, yeah, uh, Judas is Rising, probably the song I saw the most recent. And what was that album? 2002 or something? Wait, which or maybe uh, Angel Retribution. Uh, no, that was like uh, 2004. I don't know. I drink a lot. Something yeah. like that. Well, it was it was you know in the 2000s, early 2000s. Off Sin After Sin, mm. Starbreaker. Ooh. Never seen them play that live. According to that list, it was played like maybe 10 years ago or so. But I've never seen them play Starbreaker. And oh my God. You know, when the drum beat started, I didn't know what was going on. Because I wasn't expecting the song. But the drum beat was the drum beat of Starbreaker. But it's good. I saw a lot of people looking around, and you, know, you and me looked at each other like fucking all wild eyed and shit. And I looked around, other people were like, Oh, you gotta be yeah. shit. You know, and that's when you saw like the true old school, you yeah. know, the fucking Unleashed in the East motherfuckers, you know? Yep. Ooh, and it sounded so good. Oh, so fucking amazing. And, and, and again, it, 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 if you closed your eyes, you would never know that it was Richie Faulkner and Andy Sneap because they nailed it. They were so respectful. You know, no, oh, I'm going to put my stamp on this. You know, I mean, they yeah. fucking played it like it's meant to be played. And they played it with passion. They played it with precision. And the crowd really got behind. And that's still kind of, I would still say a deep cut. Yeah, it's a deep track. It you is know, a deep for, track. You know, for 80s Priest fans, I would consider that a deep track. Never played in the 80s. And the last time that was played during was uh, Hellbent for Leather. No, I'm saying well, yeah, as, a, yeah. as a mainstay. Uh, it, it left the set list by British Steel. And then, yeah, they brought it out, like, you know, maybe 10 years ago or something. But, yeah, that was uh, that was the shocking, I didn't see this coming. But yeah. there is another track I didn't see coming, which was the next track. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that one surprised me, too. And I did see them play this, obviously, on the British Steel, the only time I've ever seen them play it. Which I remember when I went to that show, the two songs I wanted to see the most was The Rage and oh. this one. Steeler. Right. And dude, Steeler is just a head banging anthem. One of my favorite pre songs. Very underrated song. Not very talked about when you think, nah. you know. Now, what I was talking about earlier, the set list that was brought up, it was Rapid Fire instead of Steeler. Ah. So I think on future shows, some people are going to get Rapid Fire instead of Steeler, which is fine. But I did see Rapid Fire perform oh, oh. way many times. Other than, you know, Steve. Or it could be somebody would just, you know, uh, got the songs mixed up and shit. Maybe, maybe. Uh, but, uh, yeah, because I saw the set list somebody put up on the actual Judas Priest Facebook page. And it was identical to what we're looking at here, except track 10 was Rapid Fire, not Steeler. So, uh, yeah, dude, head banging. I just love, that song is just so driving. You know, and I love the way it ends with the instrumental part. The dueling guitars back and forth. It's just a headbanging classic. And it was like, I was so happy to see that one. Because I never thought I'd ever see Steeler again. I thought, this is my only chance seeing it on the British Steel anniversary. Because this is a song that's just not talked about. 
and I, I got to be honest, it's definitely towards the bottom of uh, British Steel for me. Uh, but it was great live, and and I, I wasn't bitching. I I just thought it was so cool because of the obscurity of it. Like, yeah, I ain't gonna lie. I'd much rather have heard the Rage, but just it it fit, it fit with the the theme of the night and yeah. like playing the different shit that it was just like fucking hey man fucking Steeler. I'm the same as you. Like, yeah, you that's definitely one you didn't think you're gonna fucking hear. Oh yeah, and uh, another one I didn't think I was gonna hear, uh, which was awesome that they uh, they uh, did not leave out Redeemer of Souls, the that album. Right. You know, they did something off that, which I consider probably the heaviest song off that album, uh, Halls of Valhalla. Yeah, at first I thought it was I thought it was Dragon Out. Well, Me too. Well, because when the uh, yeah the the, the video the, the, the cover came up, I was like, oh, they're gonna play. Yeah. But I should have known because they're going so deep. But no, I do love Halls of Valhalla. It sounded great, fucking live. And Halford hit those notes. Oh yeah. And yeah, it was great. And you know, also, hey man, represent Richie. You yeah. Know, that was the first time he was on. And I'm glad. Again, you know, this is a, for the true fans. I, I'm sorry, you're not a true fan. If you're not into, uh, you know, ain't, um, that album, you know, Redeemer of Souls, you may not think, all right, you know, it's, it doesn't have many songs, but dude, if you like Halls of Valhalla, that means you keep up with Priest. Right. And, well, and I think that's that's more of a sign of a true fan. Not necessarily you have to like everything, but you keep up with it and you know about it. And at least you give it a day in court. Like, I'm definitely not a fan of Nostradamus, but I was a fucking first day buyer. I gave it a chance. I knew about it, you know. Uh, Unbelievable. Which, yeah. Unbelievable they played that. And to me, believe it or not, I found that to be another highlight. Oh, yeah. It sound it sounded amazing live. I, I thought it was way better live than uh, the studio version, actually. You know, highlight, I'd say, you know, highlight uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, a 9. But the next one, I give a 10. Ooh, and he gave a little speech before this yeah, one too. Yeah, said they haven't, yeah, haven't played this one in 40 years. Now they did play it on the last European tour, but he said in the states they, did, they haven't played this in the in the United States in over 40 years. Killing machine, man. Mm. And you want to talk about again? I mean, we sound like a broken record, but the vibe, you know, well, you know, because we just got you know hit over the head with Starbreaker, Traders Gate, Steeler, and Valhalla, which are pummeling songs. Where this one's a little more mid-tempo. Oh, but when the when when the guitar riff kicking that, oh my god! Yeah. Oh. oh man, I was like, oh my god, Killing Machine, another song I've never seen them play live. So we're up to let's see, one, two, three, uh, four, five. Five, and now that's the sixth song I haven't seen them play live, and I've been look, I've been, I haven't missed a pre-show in South Florida since Screaming for Vengeance. This is a fucking wet dream for a priest, mm. you know. Um, yes, uh, Killing Machine was very welcomed. Uh, it just, it, and it fit the set list perfect, right? Because you know, you, you you just got pummeled with the last few songs that are real fast. Where this one is more mid-tempo, but still heavy as fuck. And I just love that you got a contract on you. And I saw a lot of people singing along to that. A lot of people knew Killing Machine. You know, and, and I know we'll probably get in this a little bit later when we wrap it up. But there has been a small minority of people complaining about this set list. And as we're walking out of the venue, I saw this guy fucking 
bitch moan. No. Well, I guess I shouldn't get into it yet because that gives away songs. That... Right. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, too. and I just looked I at him like, too. like, really, bitch? Like, you, you, you walking out of this unsatisfied? I'm sorry. These are people that haven't seen Judas Priest before. Right. right. And, and that guy you're talking about was older. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he looked old. You, you look like you could have been at other pre-shows, you dickhead. Right. You but know? he probably hasn't been to one since 1989. So that's his fault. Yeah, exactly. So fuck you. This, so this, yeah. The well, set list was for me, not for you. We'll say it, but, but yeah, Killing Machine. Oh my, I mean, that's... Like I said, me and Ralph were just looking at each other all night like, holy fuck, here's another one. Oh, man. Amazing. Great. All right, then the next track, my favorite song mm. of mm-hmm. Firepower... Uh, which they, I did see them play in Jacksonville, which I gotta, I gotta be honest with you, I was surprised it stayed on the list. Even though, yeah, you, you just heard me say it's well, my favorite song I, off the album. I, I don't know though. I, I, to me, it's, it's a modern priest classic. It has everything that's perfect about priest, and especially on the catchier side, because priest does have. I mean, they got some pummeling metal, but they got some catchy fucking songs, and it's, it's just got a hook and a fucking half. No, it's it, you know, and so does a uh, flamethrower. Yeah. And I thought maybe flamethrower would 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 because that's one that's never been played. Yeah, right. but this song we're getting ready to talk about is something I could see on modern rock radio and yeah. people reacting to it. You know, and ooh, who's that? No surrender. Ooh, man. Yeah. Yes, and you know, like I said earlier, fucking Traders Gate was my favorite, but that that one just. And he gave a great speech before the song started about how much the song means to him. You know, with what they're going through with Glenn and everything. And uh, it's one of those things that go, you know, if you keep up with Priest, it goes without being said. You know what this song is about. You know the sentiment. But, uh, you know, Rob just confirmed it to everybody there, how important it was. And, oh, the song went over fucking great live. A lot of people, even people who didn't know the lyrics were shaking their ass to it just because yeah, it's got that It's groove. got that vibe, yeah. yeah. And video footage of Glenn. Yeah. With the band performing oh, yeah. it. Yeah, cause, yeah, they actually put out a video for that. Yeah, you, know, you like see that the video, video in the background, yeah. Uh, wow. Again, yeah. you know, bam, bam, bam. It's like, now here's up to the point for me. I was like, wow. The next one. Well, uh, let, let me let me do this one because it, this is so funny. Uh, right after that was over, I mean, everybody's in such a good mood. And I turned to Ralph and I was like, oh my God, I hope we hear. And it no sooner left my mouth than it's, and Ralph just looked at me with a big shit-eating grin. Uh, because it was such an underground night, I didn't think I was going to hear this song, but then in a way I was like, well, I don't think they played it on the last couple tours. But I was like, oh, the band sounds so good. What My all-time favorite pre-song, I hope they play it, and then bam, right into Victim of Changes. Yep. Woo! Holy shit. And you know, Faulkner and, uh, what's his face? What's his name? Andy Sneap. Andy Sneap went to the middle of the stage, all dark. That's mm-hmm. how I know they're going to play the Sentinel every fucking time. But when they went to the middle of the stage last night, I didn't think they were going to do the Sentinel. I mean, Sentinel is me. Victim of Changes. Right. Uh, I was like, okay, they're positioned for Victim of Changes. Right. And then that's when you said to me, oh, man, I hope they do Victim of Changes. And I, was, <laughs> I didn't even have time to go, that's how they set up Victim right. of Changes. That, bam, it went right into it. Badass. I love how Rob Halford does that she was mine yeah. that part because he does he wasn't doing that uh in on previous shows like i think he did do it on later shows but in the 80s he never did that little nuance thing and he did it last night and 
those last screens. Oh, right? and, and they had a great video going, and it wasn't so much, uh, you know, it wasn't like a video video, it was just kind of like some cool animation shit back, but it like, you know, every time the song changes its structure, uh, the visuals changed with it and just fit the mood. And, and then it's one of those songs where like, you're always waiting to see like, can he still do it? Can he still fucking hit it? You know, or, you know, are you going to hear a difference? Like this is, you know, um, Memorex tape or something. And he fucking hit it. Now, was it fucking unleashed in the East? No, but it was real and it was really fucking good. I mean, you could tell he saved up for that. And he's even talked about, uh, I believe in interviews that that's one of those songs he saves, you know, a little, uh, you know, gas in the tank just for that and knocked it out of the park. And that was one everybody went nuts once that song started playing. Like, oh, oh, here we go. You know, oh, yeah. man. And, and like the, the whole place went apeshit at the end when he hit that last note. Oh, yeah. And it was such a good vibe at the show. There was, I didn't see any drama, any bullshit, you know, you know no fights breaking out, no drunk guy falling over everybody, you know. Uh, security, there was a lot of security, but, you know, they were pretty cool. Uh, just, just a great vibe. Just a bunch of old fucking metalheads uh, loving the shit out of some Judas Priest, man, and victim of change. It just, it doesn't get any fucking better. Yeah. And you know, that's a song that I've seen a billion times live, and it's always welcome. Oh yeah, you know, it's always welcome. Yeah, I don't think I've seen them the last couple times. Either. I don't know. My my brain is a little shaky because I did see the Redeemer Soul Tour at the same venue too. I saw it there as well. I'm not sure if they played it that night. Remember for I think they left it off the last couple of years. Okay. But I, I like when they do shit like that because then when you hear it again, uh, you know, it, it's it's welcomed. And right. It's exciting. And, but that one's always welcome. I don't give a fuck. You know, and, and you always get those assholes, you know, and we'll get into it at the end. Like, well, they didn't play this. Well, fuck face, if you were here last tour, they played it. You yep. know, if you kept up with this band, if you came out every time they played... You know, you might not be let down, but the know. one song I kept seeing everybody say, "Oh, they didn't play this." I was like, "Dude, I, I traveled to Jacksonville and they played it, so I'm good." Five, yeah. I saw it five months ago, so I'm good. Well, we'll talk about that. I, I would say there, there is two songs I was very surprised weren't played, but it, it didn't ruin the fucking night for me. Well, actually, I have three songs, three songs that I'm surprised they didn't play, but again, didn't ruin it. I'm okay because I've seen those songs played before. And uh, it's it's all good, man. This was a perfect night and a perfect set list. But we're not even fucking done yet. No, we're coming to the end of the rare tracks. Right. Because after this, it's not rare anymore. But the la uh, the last of the rare tracks, and uh, I was hoping it was going to be played. You saw Painkiller album mm -hmm. cover flash on the screen, and I was thinking, please play the song that you said you were rehearsing. Mm -hmm. And Rob Hoffer walks to the drum set with his back to the audience and he starts belting you know twisting the strangle grip won't give no mercy dude they did fucking all guns blazing Ooh. and dude and i saw a lot of people light up for that too. oh yeah because there's a lot of painkiller fans out there oh fuck yeah and oh man that was just blistering it was just blistering it was a great way to cap off the rarities right uh very welcome uh, and I haven't seen them play that since the Painkiller tour. Right, they haven't played it since the Painkiller tour. Yeah, it's the only time I've seen them play it. And uh, and it probably is uh, that and Nightcrawler are my favorite tracks off that album. Oh, mate, well, you know what? I'm lying. I'm trying to be cultural. Painkiller is probably my favorite song off that album. 
But you know, then it's All Guns Blaze and Night, uh, Nightcrawl are my three favorite tracks off there. Fucking awesome. Uh, I loved it. And uh, you were amazed, huh? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean that's that's one they teased about. And I was like, oh, I would fucking love to hear that. Because I missed uh, the Painkiller Tour when it came through and always regretted it. This was only my second time um, seeing Judas Priest with Rob Halford. Uh, I, I saw him twice with Ripper, and both were amazing shows. And I... You know, I will go to my grave defending how good those Ripper years were live. Say what you want about the albums, yes, they're spotty, but live with Ripper was, they were both incredible shows. But then I saw them with uh, Rob at Ozfest, which was, you know, it, it's Ozfest. Even though they were the band before Ozzy, it was an abbreviated set, <laughs> and they were amazing. But, you know, this almost feels like my first priest show because, you know, it's like it's fully priest, and I'm. We were so fucking close, and oh man, it's so good. And then to hear something like All Guns Blazing, <coughs> yeah, because I, I remember, I remember when that came out vividly, and uh, I, I was riding with a friend. We were taking a long drive, and he was more into like the cock rock shit. I was like, dude, I got the new Judas Priest fucking uh, tape, you know. And he knew Turbo, you know, he knew Johnny Be Good from Ram It Down, and I put uh, Painkiller, and he's. Like, that's a little bit too heavy for me. It's like thrash. I'm like, fuck, pussy. But man, to hear all guns blazing. You know, for a guy that's you know seen so many pre-shows, I'll take that. I'll take that fucking song. It's one of my favorites too of the latest stuff. All right, that's it. That's the end of it. The next three songs are staples of the live shows, and. I don't think I've ever seen Judas Priest not play any of these songs. Oh, actually, <coughs> the final song, there was one show I didn't see him play the final song because of Time Restraints. On the Epitaph Tour, that was the final song. Oh, wow. And they didn't play it. They had to stop the show. Wow. So that, you know, well, anyway, uh, they did Hellbent for Leather. The motorcycle, oh, yeah. it's just a staple. Which you got your picture on. Which I got to sit on that motorcycle because, and they did this in Jacksonville, but, but unfortunately my friend Matthew said, dude, check out this picture and it showed him on, sitting on the bike. He's like, dude, they charge you five bucks to sit on it and it's going to Parkinson's disease. So I ran over where it was and they already took the bike away backstage, you know? So I missed out, but this time, and I totally forgot about the bike. Uh, we were at the merch table. Right. And my friend Greg was like, Hey, look, man, look at the bike. I was like, oh, shit, they're doing this again. And I had no money on me. No, and they were asking for five bucks. And, you know, you couldn't pay with a credit card. And my friend Greg was nice enough to give me the five bucks. I was going to pay. I know. Actually, Ian was going to pay. But I, I had to pay you back. See, <laughs> fucking Greg was like, dude, it's on me. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I took I took his money. And, and Greg was nice enough to snap, like, ten photos of me sitting on the bike, you know? So, uh, yeah, Hoffer comes out on the bike. They do fucking Hellbent for Leather. But um, since Faulkner joined the band, they extend the solo. I don't know if you noticed this. Uh, the solo is much longer on Hellbent for Leather. And it's fucking awesome. I just loved it. And it's a staple. But, well, you want to say anything about Hellbent for Leather? Because I want to talk about that last note they played during Hellbent for Leather. Uh, um, I just want to say how how great it was and, and, and welcome and that's one of those ones you, you know you're going to hear it but like what's a pre-show without it because there's I would say there's a good other three staples of pre-shows 
that, that I could do without. I gotta say, Hellbent for Leather ain't one of them. That's one I never get tired of. To me, it's Priest through and through. And it's not something you hear on the fucking radio. It's not an MTV fucking hit. It's something you know if you're a real fucking Judas Priest fan. And it sums up the whole spirit of the band and, and the feel of it. So, uh, that that's one I welcome. And, and again, to, just just the iconic, you know, visual of him coming out on the bike, you know, and you hear it revved up and it gets everybody going, you know. it's uh, Loved it. It was great. And the way the song ends, they ended it with an open chord. It just left an open chord, and who comes out mm-hmm. from the right of the stage? Mr. Glenn Tipton. Woo. Walks out on stage, everybody was like, see, I knew, and I told Ian, I ruined it for Ian. Yep. Um, I happened to bump into my buddy Pete, who's worked with ZZ Top, Megadeth, uh, ACDC. Now he's uh, the tour manager of Priest. And I wasn't with you at the moment when I bumped into him. And I asked him that. I go, dude, is Glenn gonna be here tonight? He's like, yeah. And you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ruin it for anybody out there that's gonna go see the show. Mm-hmm. What he told me. Right. I'm not gonna bring that part out. But Glenn came out. Everybody was like, dude, wow, so much respect. He looked so happy. Yeah. He had this big smile on his face, and then went right into breaking the law. So like, you have a song that everybody knows, and then Glenn Tipton on top of it coming out. Like for somebody like me. That, okay, breaking the law, whatever, you know, but breaking the law, and there's Glenn. You know, and another thing, it was so, like, it was so exciting, so emotional and bittersweet at the same time, but something I thought was totally cool, and I don't know if you noticed this, but when Glenn came out, Andy Sneap went to the other side of the stage and stood, like, basically up, up above the amps. They didn't even have a light on him. He, was he playing guitar? Yeah, yes. Yeah, you see, I didn't yes. even notice that. He, he still played, but, you know, it was all about Richie and, and Glenn. Well, I mean, it was mostly Glenn and Rob, you know, but, you know, Faulkner was still up close and, you know, Ian was there. But uh, they didn't even have a light on Andy Sneak. He still played, but it was all about Glenn. And I thought that was very respectful. Like, you know, he doesn't have to share the spotlight with anybody. Let it be all, you know. And it was just cool, but he looked so... Yeah, so frail. frail. Yeah, so so frail. frail. But he he looked very happy and so appreciative. I mean, because the crowd did go fucking crazy. And, you know, he was touching his heart. And you could tell uh, it, it means a lot. It's got to be hard for him to sit backstage at a fucking Judas Priest show. Right. And not be on... That's got to be the worst feeling. Well, I mean, besides what he's actually dealing with. But you know what I mean? To know that you can't be out there for the full show doing what you want to do. So... It's got to be heartbreaking, but he, he still got out there and did it, and, and the fans loved it. And I also saw a lot of people with the Glenn Tipton uh, T-shirts. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's awesome to show that there are people who know what's going on, support it, support the cause, support Glenn. And it, it was very special, you know, to get to see him one last time. Well, I mean, you know, never it could be the last time I see Glenn. I don't know. Well, it's rare he'll come out. Right. Know? He can't right. really tour. But. Right. In the grand scheme of things, you know, he's probably going to be there, you know, beginning or end of a tour maybe. But this it most likely will be the last time I get to see it and, and was so thankful. Yep. And going to, to uh, Living After Midnight after that, where Glenn did the guitar solo, which was awesome. You know, he did the guitar solo. I mean, it wasn't, you know. And he, he got up, he did the moves with, uh, yeah. with Richie, too. Yeah, I like that. He did, he did the, the little back and forth yeah. at the end. Yeah. yeah. Fucking amazing. And then that was it. There was no encore. 
no lights out, and then we'll come back out. But man, it was a long show. Yeah, well, I mean, really, the encore was the last three yeah, songs. Yeah, the last. They kind of walked off a little bit after All Guns Blaze, and then you know. But you know, usually encores are like good night, they yeah. leave, and then they come back out. They didn't do that, you know. So uh, that's it. That's uh, our uh, review of the Judas Priest show. Which we well, got a couple more things we can talk about. I think. Okay, we gotta get going, dude. It's late. All right, we're back. Uh, in case you don't know, me and Ian went out to a party, and now we're going to finish this podcast. Yeah, good luck here. Yeah, Ian is way more fucked up than he was earlier. Wait. Anyway, so the show's over, and uh, we're walking out, and uh, what Ian was talking about earlier, this older guy, I remember the songs he named, Hot Rockin', Painkiller, and another thing coming. Yeah. He was like, they didn't do it. Like, all bitching and shit. And I'm like, dude, this guy's older. And he was serious. He wasn't even yeah, joking. No, no, no. This guy was he, legitimately he was mad. And I'm like, dude, you obviously haven't seen many pre-shows. Because, you know, going to so many pre-shows and seeing those songs every fucking time, it's like, dude, I'm fine for them replacing those songs with songs I've never seen before. Like Starbreaker and Hot in the Cold and, and the newer songs, Trader Gate. So... But, you know, there's a lot of people online complaining, too. Everybody, the main song is, no painkiller? No painkiller? Well, even Johnny Vogan, I'm going to call you out. He says, no Hellion? Of course I would have loved to heard Hellion Electric Eye. But with that set list, dude, I cannot complain about shit. How can anybody complain about that if you're a hardcore fucking uh, Priest fan? All I know is that I've been a veteran of Judas Priest shows for over... 30 somewhat years, 37 years. When was the first show? 82. Do the math. That's 37 years. I have not missed a Jesus Free show in South Florida ever. Even the two Ripper shows I've seen. Screaming, Defenders, Turbo, Ram It Down, Painkiller, Jugulator, Demolition, Reunion, British Steel Show, uh, uh, Angel of Retribution, Redeemer of Souls. Look what the cat dragged in. Firepower in Jacksonville. I know there's another one. Nostradamus. No, that didn't come out. Unfortunately. But, um, yeah, dude. And all those shows, I don't think one of those shows didn't have Electric Eye. Uh, maybe one didn't have another thing coming. All of them had Painkiller from 91. Um, you know, so I'm fine. You know, I'm not here, like, you know, being an apologist or anything. I'm a hardcore dude. Judas Priest is definitely in my top five. You know, I have a hard time picking who's my third favorite, but I think it's Judas Priest. And that, to me, was a dream to see Starbreaker and oh, yeah. all those firepower songs I love so much that weren't played live. I got to see them play it live, and, ah, man, whatever. The fucking, the, the show fucking ruled. And the people out there complaining, well, you know, obviously you didn't see them enough. <laughs> uh, where people like me that have been dedicated and seen them for decades every time they came around, I think I deserve that set list more than you did. Well, obviously, since you're bitching, I'm not bitching. Right, Ian? I fucking loved it. And, you know, another thing we'd be uh, remorse not to miss, uh, you know, talking about is all the cool people we saw at this show, man. It was a fucking great turnout. And I got to meet so many of your friends. Yeah. And, oh, my God. Dude, it's like I was with rock royalty. Everybody was like, Ralph, Dr. Fuck. Ralph, Dr. Fuck, everybody, 
you, you were like the biggest guy there besides Rob Halford, I'd say. Uh, and, and it was so cool. And then to meet, you know, uh, the listeners of the show, to see Tim Bream again, you know, to meet uh, uh, Charlie, you know, and, and his old lady and stuff. And it was so, so fucking cool, man. It was a great environment. And uh, what a fucking good time. What a good time. Don't miss this fucking show if it comes around here. And, you know, another, you know, we have to shout out Charlie again because Charlie's like the nicest guy. He got you drinks, right? Oh, my. Multiple fucking times. I was, I was trying to stop him. And I never stop anybody. I'm Irish. I'm an alcoholic. But I was like, please, try. I owe you a fucking drink for listening to this show. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I already told on a past episode what he did for me at Cheap Trick. And at the pre-show, he walked up to me. Oh, while we're sitting in our seats, and he hands me a shirt. He bought me a shirt. I mean, the guy is fucking awesome, dude. Uh, he's the shit, you know? So, Charlie, uh, thank you so much for, you know, all you do for us and all you buy for us. And, you know, I would trade it all for your girlfriend, though. Oh. Ooh. Daniela Carvajal is her name. She's beautiful. Mm. Uh, she took pictures of us, and she Ooh. put it up on her page, said nice things about us. Uh, and Charlie, I'm kidding. Don't worry. Ian's not, but I am. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not. I mean, you're both a good-looking couple, but goddamn. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't do that to good old Charlie there. But, um, but yeah, it was, uh, you know, they're great people. Great, You know, Tim, his buddy, you know, they drove all the way from Melbourne, I think. Yeah, Melbourne, Florida, yeah. And let me tell you something, man. That's I'm, a nice little drive, too. And I told Tim before the show started, I go, bro, Glenn Tipton's coming out. Because I knew beforehand, because uh, I know the tour manager. And um, so he came down and it, 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 Tim saw an amazing show. So it was definitely worth his trip. Uh, what what else happened during the show, Ian? Do you remember anything else? Uh, you know, I mean, you know, you met all my buddies. We already talked about Yai. Yeah. David Lovett, you know, the guy that was with uh, Dave the Beast Pits. Oh, yeah. I love that guy so much. I've known that guy now. For when Revelation came out from Armored Saint, what's that, 2000? Right. I met him way back then. He's a he's a fellow Armored Saint fan. He's the one that bought me that poster there, signed by David Pritchard, the late David Pritchard. He gave me that shit. Well, yeah. I, I would I would say the greatest like tribute you can give to the show is I'm the guy like as much as I love surprises and I hate spoilers when movies come out. I hate all that shit. I am guilty of going online and finding out. You know, set list so I know when I can pee and when I can buy a beer. I didn't leave the show once it started. I did not leave it. I couldn't. Well, first of all, we didn't know, but say it was just so good, I couldn't fucking leave. Yeah. Did you feel like peeing? I I, I did. I think I tinkled a little bit on the guy in front of me. Oh. You know, but, oh, but at he, least he took it out. Oh God, the son of a bitch in front of me. Oh, he really pissed me off though for a little while. Uh, he ended up getting kicked out of his seat. This motherfucker was holding up two phones. Wow, I didn't notice that. Oh, my God. And then he got kicked out of the seat in front of us, and he went to the seat behind me, and he tapped me on the shoulder. I was like, what the fuck? He dropped his phone, and it was under my seat. So I, I remember him. that, yeah. yeah. I was like, God, live in the fucking moment, people. Live in the fucking moment. But there is some great footage online. Oh, so, yeah, and I knew know. there would be. You didn't see me. I only grabbed my phone when Clint Tipton came out. Right. It's breaking the law, after all. You know, it's songs that I've seen a million times. I'm like, dude, I got to take some pictures of this historic event in front of us. Yeah. So I didn't take video. I just took some, you know, snapshots. Because I knew. I knew there was going to be video. Not only was I right, but the full show is up online. I downloaded it already. 
uh, on video, the full fucking show from beginning. And it's great. The guy whoever shot it's all the way up front. And the sound is good, so I got that, you know, for... Uh, I, I mean, that was another classic show. I mean, we got to see Rush on their world tour when you came to New Orleans, and that was fucking amazing. We saw this one. Oh, man, I mean, oh, just a, a great time. Please, everybody, go, go. Don't make excuses. Don't say, oh, it's fucking Wednesday. Do whatever you got to do. Go see this shit. And I cannot leave off the story of when we went to the gas station. Ian's drunk, he doesn't remember this, so I'll remind his memory. I, I know, I'm all curious now. I was like, oh, fuck, what I did at the gas station? Oh, man, it was brutal. Oh, <laughs> now you I know what you're talking about. You remember now. Now I know what you're talking about. <laughs> we, we get to the gas station, and next to the nozzle, somebody left, like, a fucking carton full of food, which was fries and, and chicken, right? Chicken wings and fries. Chicken wings and fries. <laughs> fucking Ian ate it. I ate a couple of fries, and Ralph lost it. She's like... No, you didn't. No, you didn't. No way. And then he grabbed the chicken. And then like, I came back and did a chicken wing, and he really lost his shit. I was like, God damn, you're brutal. You're and, brutal death metal, man. And then we went to Denny's. <laughs> then we went to Denny's with a really freaky waitress. Yeah. Uh, who's ex- uh, I've never met somebody that nice in my life. Never. God, she was extremely nice. And uh, then what we do? We came home, and we crashed. Yeah. And... Uh, Tomorrow, I'm taking Ian to Rock and Roll Ribs. Yeah, It's yeah. a trek. It's going to be an over an hour drive, but worth it. To Nico's Restaurant. Uh, the most amazing ribs I've ever had. Let's see if Ian thinks the same thing. Uh, I didn't like the chicken there, but, you know, I'm not a food critic. I'm going to try the ribs, and I'm not a ribs fan. I mean, I like ribs, but I just find it like something messy to eat. It's, it's very messy, though. I'll, but, tell you, you know, I'll like, warn you now. I'm like, fuck it. Let's go out there and, and you know... Hope they don't play any of that Blaze Bailey shit, you know? And we oh, can... they might. I don't know. I really? mean, when I was there, it's always live, Bruce. Like, later, like, Rock and Rio and shit like that. Oh, God. As long as they don't play that fucking Empire in the Cloud shit. No, no. They play videos there. Okay. Like, live concerts. And, All uh, right. Live after death, I'll be happy. No, thank God they haven't played that well. Nice. Now, watch them play tomorrow. Watch them jinx me. Well, at least you'll be closer to the airport to catch an Uber. Okay. I'm having a great time here in Miami. I cannot wait to come back. And uh, and we're also recording multiple episodes tomorrow. Yeah, we're going to do uh, two more episodes. This one's going to air first. I'm going to edit this when Ian leaves. So it won't be up on a Sunday. It'll be up earlier than that. Uh, but, you know, I mean, the other episodes we're recording, I mean, they might be stretched out a little bit. Might not. I don't know. But, hey, you all get a new episode. And, you'll, and you're, you know, you're going to get... Like three, two or three new episodes uh, with not such a big uh, gap. You know, it might be a week or two, you know, who knows. Yes. But, uh, all right, dude. Yeah, uh, like a pick of the week or something? Ooh. Uh, hmm. uh, you go first this time. Well, I'm my pick good. of the week is the brand new Fifth Angel album. It's called The Third was it Secret? The Third Secret, yeah. Yeah, The Third Secret. The Fifth Angel, the band from the 80s that I fucking love. And I have both their albums from the 80s. I love them. I, I think they're both great albums. Time Will Tell and the, the Tell title. This new one I think is even better than those. As we speak, and it's uh, March. Um, it's so far my favorite album of the year. Fifth Angel, the, fifth, the Third Secret is my... Pick of the week. Right. Okay, I got mine. 
I got mine. So far, this is my album of the fucking year. Oh my god, is this shit so good. And that is the Claypool Lennon Delirium. Uh, which, for those of you who don't know, it's Les Claypool from Primus and Sean Lennon. Uh, the other kid of John Lennon. Uh, but, whoo, the fucking talent here. Uh, the name of the album is South of Reality. And, unfortunately, I missed the last date of this tour was in New Orleans at one of my favorite fucking venues. Uh, but I was like, ah, fuck it, I'm flying out to Miami. I'll have to catch them the next time. Uh, really good. Check out the video for, uh, oh gosh, what's the fucking song? I was so bad with the titles because this is an album so good I just listened to the fucking whole album. I don't pick out songs. Blood and Rockets is an animated video that is so fucking satanic and fucking sexual and Aleister Crowley. It's fucking amazing. I'm gonna make Ralph watch it after we're done with this, and then he's gonna say, okay, I like that. You know. I hate everything else, but I like that. But that is my pick of the week. Oh, no, no. I, I heard that other stuff. I liked it. Uh, yeah. You turned me on to him, like, that first album, whatever. Oh, I, but I, the second one blows it away, and you'll really like the video. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed what I heard before, so. No, I did not. I'm not a fan of Primus, but I did enjoy that. Right on. Well, that is my pick of the week and my album of the year so far, as we are in May, so a little quarter into the year. Yeah, so you guys will be hearing this in early May, because I'm going to send this to Ian when he's home a day or two. Well, who knows? But I, yeah, I definitely should put this up before Sunday. What do you think? Yeah. You know, because right. you know, I know people have waited long enough for... They're uh, Jonesy. Jones in for some uh, rock and metal combat podcast. So here you go. And uh, all right, dude. So that's about it. Well, how, how about a how about a fan of the week? All right, you got a, Oh yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It better be who I'm thinking. Well, yeah, damn right. So I'm thinking. And uh, don't take this the wrong way, Tim Breen. But this week it goes to fucking Charlie Hill. Hell yeah, Charlie deserves it. Oh Big my time. God! Uh, not only did he showers with gifts. But, uh, you know, let us take pictures where we're staring at his beautiful missus' breasts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ian's staring at her tits and I'm pointing at him. Oh, God. And, like I said, what what an attractive couple. It's one of those things like, don't go out in public. You make everybody else feel ugly. They're both so fucking handsome. But, uh, yeah, definitely more into your old lady than you, Charlie. No offense. Mm. Uh, but super nice meeting you guys. It, it, it means a lot that you guys care that much about fucking meeting us you know shit we're honored to meet you uh but it was, it was a good time and uh glad we got to share this moment looking forward to many more so charlie hill you are fan of the week brother yeah thanks for everything charlie he really was uh uh very instrumental in me getting up close to cheap trick last time they came and uh and we were sitting very close to each other so it was good hanging out with them uh, seeing him again, he's just a, a, he's just a good guy, a good soul. He's uh he's he's like in that class of um, Brian Davis. Yeah, you know, because Brian Davis is like so fucking lovable, such a great yeah. human. But I, I mean, Brian Davis did give me head. I mean, Charlie just bought me a couple beers, but I, I mean, still, it, it means a lot. No, I, yeah. I I would say Charlie's cooler than. Yeah, well, I, I would say he's more uh, selective. It's a lie. Brian Davis don't suck no dick. It looked like Brian Davis. Yeah. No, it wasn't. Mm. Betty Davis. Must have been Michael Brandeboy's wife. Mm. <laughs> I didn't say that. Exactly. 
All right, so we're signing off. This is the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast coming from the Dr. Fuck Man Cave. That's right, Casa de la Fuck. Grrr. Later. <laughs>